Welcome everyone to the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. I cry watching This Is Us. The Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 207, on and on, is sponsored by Severed Head Fishing Nets, the perfect way to catch yourself a piranha. Pete, so glad to be podcasting this episode live and no way in the future because maybe not simultaneous to when you're listening to this right now, dear listener. We are off to see Ant-Man and we bet you are this weekend as well. Absolutely. We're looking forward to bringing you that on Sunday, July 8th. So make sure you get your reactions in so we can include them in our podcast. Absolutely. I will just echo what you said, Pete. We want to hear from people. We've kind of definitely had great reaction to uh, to podcasting the movies a little bit later in the weekend just to really make sure that people can share their their thoughts on the movie. Pete, my prediction, half of everyone won't die this time. <laughs> or will they? <laughs> but before the other half of the universe gets wiped out, Matt, take us to the recap. Luke sinking fast in the river, mentally flashing back to season one. He wakes up, swims up, and finds his way to his father's church, collapsing. The credits show the episodes written by Nicole Morante Matthews and directed by Rashad Ernesto Green. Luke awakens to find Dad sassy and Piranha gone. The slick lawyer used his God-given self-determination to walk out the door. Later, Luke is changing, and Dad thinks he should stay. Dad's also unintimidated by his son. Luke calls him a GD hypocrite and in the house of the Lord. Suffice it to say, things aren't good between them. Meanwhile, Misty's back on the basketball court. That robo-arm isn't helping her from the free throw line, and Rittenauer shows up to convince her to get back into the NYPD, despite his close relationship with, er, May May. He needs Misty to rein in Luke Cage, but she won't play ball, metaphorically. So she meets up with Luke at the barber shop with a recap about Piranha having the financial keys to Mariah's kingdom. Luke's ready to go bust some heads, but mansplains to Misty that she's got to listen to what he says. She wonders if he isn't her sidekick. At Harlem's paradise, Mariah wants to find Piranha soon. She also wants to find the snitch. She addresses Shades and Comanche and four extras. She stabs one to really hammer home her anger and to hammer home our knowledge that she doesn't suspect Che. Shades promises that everything will be eerie soon enough. There's a Jamaican singer downstairs playing to an empty room, which is nice artistically, but not that practical. Tilda comes in, soaking in the music. She side-eyes Shades and Comanche on the way out. She goes up to see Mommy and fiddles on the piano. Tilda reaffirms that she's a healer, healing with smarts and resources from the ground. Mariah's got resources in the bank, and that makes Tilda pause. Meanwhile, Sheldon's got piranha, and they talk fishes. The piranha you don't see coming, the whale that swallows things up. Bushmaster's there too, but piranha isn't going to log in just like that. Then he starts to log in just like that. At the Jamaican taxi headquarters, Luke and Misty bust up some bad guys, and honestly, Misty looks better doing it. 
Still, Luke's the bulletproof one when the gun comes a-calling, but Misty's the one who leaves a guy saying, You broke me nose! They enter a dark corner, hearing water sloshing, and Piranha's head is in an aquarium with, wait for it, Piranha's. Later, the NYPD is there, and in a big steady cam shot, we see the body cleaned out and Rittenauer piecing together that if Bushmaster has all the bank info, they can turn that into a deal with Mariah. Misty's not pleased, to say the least. Nandy and Bailey are ready to push them out of the crime scene, and it's reaffirmed that Nandy really is not nice. Luke and Misty part ways, and Luke ends up back at Dad's church, talking the vision of his mother. Retconned into Luke's time at Seagate is a visit from Mom and Dad, and Luke thinks God was trying to send him a message. The world may be Luke's problem, but it's not his fault. Misty, meanwhile, ends up at a bar, nodding hello to a gentleman. He woos her some, though she says she can take care of herself. She answers the phone. After they grab a quick smooch, it's Bailey with some terrible news. At Harlem's Paradise, Mariah finds Piranha's dead, from Rittenauer. He thinks she'll get a Martha Stewart slap on the wrist from the SEC. But how'd she get the money to invest in the first place? That's the real story. Though she could hang out a dead cottonmouth and a lover boy shades as the masterminds who got her in over her head, and that's her way out. Rittenauer has shown his way out but won't leave. He wants to save herself and save her daughter. Does Tilda know anything about her difficult birth, her real age, her real father? He gives Mariah until morning to get everything sorted out. He leaves and Mariah logs onto her bank account, username HRH Mariah, Her Royal Highness. The bank account reads zero. Cut to Comanche and Shades having a heart-to-heart. Comanche wants to investigate Sugar, but gets a text from Rittenauer to meet that night. Shades needs to go anyway to secure the club. Later, Comanche does meet with Rittenauer, but Shades turns the corner. Comanche shoots Rittenauer, but blames Sugar on being the snitch. Still, they've got a dead cop on their hands. Shades talks it through. It was self-defense that Comanche shot Rittenauer, though, Shades says, Rittenauer shot back. Shades then shoots Comanche, and as his friend bleeds out, Shades remembers the time they stole hot dogs at Coney Island. Comanche didn't ever tell, because they were brothers. Shades says love blinded him, and he didn't see the snitch. What does that say about Shades? He cries real tears as he walks away. Cut to Bushmaster getting measured for another suit, despite Uncle verbally wagging a finger. Bushmaster talks about acting and dressing with respect, never a puppet nor a slave. Uncle notes he's got money, respect, and Jamaicans being harassed by the police. What more does he want? The answer are Mariah's soul and vengeance. Sheldon comes in to tell him it's time. Later at Mariah's house, she's cleaning everything out, but Bushmaster and crew are there, cornering mother and daughter. After a bit, they're both tied to chairs, with gasoline being poured. Bushmaster monologues about the pairing of MacGyver and Stokes. Though Buggy Stokes took the deal and sold out, however, a gunshot was his death at the hands of Papa MacGyver. Back in Jamaica, the Stokes still sought revenge, firebombing Bushmaster's house, killing his mother. With that, he takes out Harlem's Paradise matches, then cuts Tilda free to see if she's a better daughter than he was a son. The fire gets lit and the Jamaicans leave. Intercut is Luke reflecting with his father, who had told him in prison that Luke's transgressions killed his mother, though his reflection is interrupted by J.D. telling Luke Mariah's brownstone is on fire. 
In a montage, Shades watches the fire from a far-off roof, maybe Harlem's Paradise, where the Jamaican singer is there with his backing band. We also see Misty in the NYPD on the scene of Rittenauer's death and Bushmaster entering Harlem's Paradise, the new boss now. Luke arrives at Mariah's brownstone, pausing. Inside, Tilda can't move her mother. The story teases with us, staying at Harlem's Paradise with the triumphant Bushmaster. Though in time, Luke breaks down into the brownstone, saving the day. Now it's Mariah who wants to hire Luke Cage. Pete, we, of course, so proud that we've been hired, kind of, sort of, by our uh, our patrons on Patreon.com to keep the good ship Fantastic Geek afloat. Matt, as other podcasts take, you know, a summer break, whatever that is, or worse yet, pod fade, here we are cranking out episode after episode, loving every minute of it. Luke Cage, Cloak and Dagger, Star Trek Discovery, Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I can for the first time tell you that we will be podcasting... Well, Pete, hold on. I don't know that we've officially even announced that yet. Well, Cal's out of the bag. Well, not unless I go back and, and hide what you said. But yeah, certainly we, we're keeping ourselves busy. Uh, maybe not 365, but definitely 52 weeks a year. Probably averaging, what, about 70, 75 podcasts a year. And uh, all of that made possible, not just in the uh, inspiration corner, but also literally made possible with the storage and the bandwidth by the people who help us out on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Absolutely. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. And then there's all sorts of levels uh, that you can contribute to past that. So thank you again, one and all. Pete, now we're going to talk about some bad mm, Shut your mouth. We're just talking about bad guys, PD. Let's start with Mariah. Yeah, back on her heels yet again. The end of the episode, obviously so desperate she'd hire Luke Cage. Matt, can you imagine such a thing, such delightful fiction? Well, A, this was kind of foreshadowed, I want to say two episodes ago, when she observed that with, uh, with Piranha holding the keys to her kingdom, or queendom uh that luke cage is the only one protecting her by way of trying to protect piranha of course that didn't quite happen but i guess now she needs to go to the source i will say this pete i like very very much that the show played with my expectations which is be on the lookout for the possibility of halfway through the season Mm -hmm. you know things are completely reinvented or chapter one chapter two you know that kind of thing was I outright expecting that they were going to copy season one and kill the the Stokes slash Dillard, you know, at this point and and give us a different second half? No, I didn't expect it anything quite so rote. But I was also convinced when she's tied to the chair and Tilda's ch- tied to the chair, albeit briefly, I was convinced that Mariah was done. Well, we're going to discuss that strategy in a little bit. But yeah, I the first time I I watched this, I was almost certain. All right, by Alfre Woodard, th- this year's uh, Mahershala Ali with the the seven episode run and then uh, bouncing out. And uh, I for one am glad that did not happen. I'll even do you one better, Pete. There's the slight 
glimmer of hope that she can find her way out of this. Uh, I suppose mm-hmm. discussion of that is best left for the theory segment, but this is an episode that up front is giving we, the audience, the possibility of her, of her uh, redemption. Interesting that we have the, the, the contrast then with Shades, who I think is still going to be an audience favorite through this episode, but we watch him take out his brother in arms there uh, for reasons that are very understandable, particularly code of the street, etc. But I mean, that was a heartbreaking scene, and Theo Rossi crying tears. Pete, one not only on his cheek, he turned, it fell, caught by the light. Ah, broken hearted as he he broke my heart as he killed his friend. Yeah, I and I think he broke a lot of hearts, particularly his own. Matt, we talked last episode about the subtext between them um which all the more colors this scene and comanche's demise i i want to give shades credit for intuiting what was going on and i think that that speaks to my respect and audience respect towards him as a character albeit a villain um Nonetheless, you know, difficult to see him kind of cross that line. And indeed, Pete, to admit, I think I have this correct, to admit that his plan was never to go legit. Kind of this is the life and the life is for him. I'm not 100% certain about that. I think there is some way that has not completely been articulated yet by Shades uh, he, he's talked about needing to look over his shoulder the rest of his life and not wanting to do that. So we'll have to see. But uh, Theo Rossi has just grown so much on this show to see him as shades where he started and where he is now. I'm really looking forward to his continued development. Well, another category where I'm brokenhearted after all the praise that we've been giving in the last couple episodes towards the performance behind Comanche to see Chi killed off Pete. I mean, this is a, as we discussed before, former NFL player that the actor, and I'd say a darn solid uh, actor in this no more Pete, unless we have magic flashbacks. It felt like he was uh, plateauing and what do you know? He goes down, um, when he goes to see uh, the the captain here and uh, as as the snitch and as um, shades believably sniffs him out with the detail of the name. How's he know your name? Oh, they got jackets on everybody. Yeah, sure. They do, buddy. That's why I'm gonna pop you in the stomach. And what do you know? You bled out. I mean, the whole scene, I mean, really, really well written, really fantastic. I think it's one of those moments where the audience was ever so slightly ahead of things, uh, and that's a good thing. But just when he's going o- going over to uh, the captain there, checking out the gun, it's like, oh, no, I know what's going to happen, and this won't end well for him. Yeah, and I think that it's something we're meant to see coming, yet at the same time be shocked at the way that Shades pulls the trigger on his, you know, prison uh, buddy on his brother in arms. Next on the list, we have uh, Sheldon, who 
again, Pete, one of the joys of Luke Cage is we get to be exposed to actors whose whose work we might not have been uh, previously aware of. Actor Kevin Mambo, he's from Zimbabwe. He was raised in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. Oh my God. And uh, he has won <laughs> two daytime Emmys for being on Guiding Light, the soap opera, and just completely believable. This background. Yeah unbelievable i mean and and to be playing the jamaican here and this great scene with him talking about piranha uh with the fish and uh you know oh it better be a whale in your uh your line of work uh give me the passwords you know just never menacing but at the same time you know he means business pete i'll do one better here at least for the actor he was in the musical book of mormon on the first national tour so he's this a guy's background gets better with everything you say uh, there needs to be a show about kevin mambo period there, fi- fiction light fiction documentary style i don't know guy guys university educated in in montreal and usc i mean and again, just so great in this role as the number two to Bushmaster. And now let's turn our attention to Bushmaster. Triumphant at the end. He's got that sweet spot on the second floor overlooking the the Jamaican musician there. Now ostensibly running the whole thing. And completely triumphant, at least as far as we've gotten in this season. I mean, it certainly seems that way. But I think this show deals so well in misdirect. I mean, come on, Luke getting uh, dropped into the uh, the river there only to uh, to wake himself up and, and come out of it. So you have to imagine that uh, the, the setup that Bushmaster has worked himself into, particularly given the way Mariah gets away. We'll talk about that in our next segment in the big picture. Um, it seems all too easy. And I mean, to me, always returning to the to the form of an episode and to the form of a season, you know, we're a bit past the halfway point here. But at this episode, which is, you know, it is at that halfway point uh, on the road of the season, you know, he's triumphant. Pete, there's only one way he can go from that that second story balcony and that's down. So time will tell. Big picture where we break down theories about the road ahead. Where are we headed, Pete? Let's talk Luke's mom, Matt. Uh, we have the new footage of the actress with the white hair there, obviously prematurely aged and sickly. We have Reggie Kathy in prison footage um, visiting his son for this season. Let me ask you this. The, the subject of Luke's mother's cancer uh, comes up. Did she get cancer from some other source? I'm going to go with the idea that she got it just from from life, from bad luck. I don't think we're going to have any. But his grand... father tried to blame it on him. So it almost seems like was this in some way 
intentional? Was somebody at Seagate or somebody associated with his case? Was Diamondback somehow associated with this? Let me let me get this other, uh, you know, uh, mother out of the way here. I I'll choose my words carefully here. I think that uh, Reverend Dad clearly sees. Uh, connections in his life and his vocation his calling uh, between the unseen and the seen i will propose that in this particular situation the fact that his son is in prison the fact that his wife has a has a, a terminal illness i'm going to propose that the dad here is seeing a connection from the unseen to the seen that connection is not there though i think that he he wants it to be there maybe he is normally in a headspace where where the connections of faith are made and for me for this i don't think we're going to connect to a larger to a larger theory if only because they have a great famous actor playing dad and i'm not familiar with the actress playing mom so i think if we were going to get a ton of story stuff out of it and more flashbacks they might have cast a bit more recognizably um which maybe that's a little unfair to the actress but bottom line i'm gonna say no massive connection hashtag it's not all connected i'm all right with that answer let's move forward then matt with tilda and written hour uh says to uh may may in this episode matt in his uh last living episode uh does tilda even know her real age mm. and her real daddy i mean pete the implication there that that he's the daddy uh particularly who is your daddy and what does he do <laughs> well i think the case could be thomas rittenauer and captain nypd uh the harlem division because apparently there's just the one precinct in all of harlem by the way they say quick get to the harlem precinct or words to that effect but i digress um i mean Again, I think that's what's being thrown out there. Could there be the greater reveal that, you know, he's he goes back uh, back in the day with Mariah and he knows that Tilda's real father is this person or that person, you know, some third third party, some other man? Sure. And that would be completely within the realm of the story construct here. But would I be surprised if in the next episode or two it's revealed that uh, Tilda's actually written hour, not at all. To that end, Matt, is written hour, was written hour going soft on Mariah? I'm going to say no, even though it looked like he was, and I shall explain. I appreciate, or I, I should say, I can only begin to appreciate what it's like being in a public service position like law enforcement where you know sometimes it's like stabbing water and it doesn't make a difference and i think that you could very rightfully and very honorably in, in his position you could declare a victory by taking out the whole jamaican crew by making sure that the remnants of cottonmouth's gang are done with by taking the shifty mariah out of commission in her you know somewhat public face somewhat you know crime face to make all of that go away at the price of mariah got his words a spanking from the sec and then did a plea bargain where she says oh, i don't know what was going on it was those men that made all the decisions the net 
result is a whole lot of good, even if you don't let the second biggest fish or the third biggest fish out of all of this after Cottonmouth and Bushmaster. You might not catch that fish, but it's a victory nonetheless. What about this $356 million transfer, Matt, made by uh, the Jamaicans, by the Stylers, Bushmaster, out of Mariah's account, draining it of that nest egg? <laughs> With her login, HRH Mariah. <laughs> right. Uh, which was... I, need to, I need to change mine. Hang on one second. <laughs> um. Let me put it this way, Pete. I think it's something that, and I, I certainly don't know the particulars of power of attorney and so on and so forth, but A, for our purposes, they have spelled it out plenty of times well in advance that Piranha has the keys and he has the ability to do this or do that. And we even have good old Honest Piranha, Piranha last episode or two episodes ago saying, what, me, abuse this? Like he literally, that was not on his radar. I think that in the long term, if there was a lawsuit or if you had a, is it SEC or is it this or is it that? I don't know. If you had a further investigation, I think the money would eventually get back to its rightful owner. But Piranha's coincidentally dead. What's he going to testify to? Mariah has been given this option to just get out clean or to testify against these other people. Does she want there to be an investigation as to where she got the 20 or 30 million to turn into 350? No, she doesn't. So this might be a slam dunk. It certainly seems to be a slam dunk for now in their world. It might be a slam dunk in our world too, given those unique particulars. How about the guy that Misty met at the bar? They seem to get along rather well, Matt. And then, you know, when uh, Bailey continues to call you and the world is actually on fire and she leaves. I think it's one of two things. And at the end of the day, maybe it's in retrospect, or at least upon further inspection, maybe it's a weaker point in the story. Is Mr. Smoochy Face there just to <laughs> slow Mr. her Smoochie down? Face. Well, hey, you know, he, he moves to the Smoochy Face pretty quickly. I mean, Pete, she's barely sat down and he's making eyes to say, uh, I would like to make uh, huggy kissy time with you. Um, I think that, look, if we never see from this guy again, then what was his story purpose? Have her sit there long enough to say, things aren't important, things aren't important. What could be more important than relaxing, getting a drink? preparing for the next phase of my life and making huggy kissy time with this guy. Oh my goodness. It's the things have actually gotten worse. Um, that's probably his function, but Pete, maybe he's a, a plant from the Jamaicans. Maybe he's, maybe he's our second half of the season villain. I don't know. Maybe he's going to turn to dust. Who knows? At least they gave Mr. Simone Bissick a, uh, a more plum role for acting purposes than, uh, guy in the bar who gets to uh kiss his wife instead of playing cockroach so uh i I for one am glad that went the other way uh how about bushmaster's guys matt as he enters harlem's paradise which is jamming to the reggae beats who pretty much in front of an entire audience choke the two bodyguards out the two bouncers out yes um, I, look, I think there's a couple of Harlem's Paradise 
moments that I think are done for the flourish of the artistic story, capital A for artistic, S for story, um, that maybe don't hold up 100% realistically. And I'm okay with it being a flourish with the writer's pen here, you know, an episode penned by Nicole Montre Matthews. And, and if this is a moment of a flourish, so be it. Number one is, uh, I guess, in order of importance, we'll start with what you mentioned, Pete. Yeah, taking out those bouncers. Now, I bet if we went back with uh, with director Rashad Ernesto Green, we would see, oh, there weren't, there, nobody was looking at the bouncers when they get taken out. Oh, okay, fine. That pushes credulity a bit. Visually, story-wise, it's the new guy, it's the new boss. You know, if they're taken out back and told, get out of here, jerks, here's your $50 for the day. Don't come back, you're fired. Eh, okay. You know, I think that was probably the intent. Uh, similar with Harlan's Paradise, they know there's trouble with the Jamaicans, so they were auditioning a Jamaican singer in the completely empty room with literally no one listening. Then Tilda walked in, then Mariah was looking and watching him practice. Like, guys, he's from the Jamaicans. He clearly is foretelling that there's going to be Jamaicans taking over the club soon. Does no one believe in in foreshadowing? I don't know. Speaking of foreshadowing, Matt, how about Bushmaster with the Bond monologue, then leaving Tilda there uh, to to basically watch her mom and not help her out of the chair with an open door only to need Luke to get them both out in a building that wasn't exactly collapsing around them. And like, look, I get it that Tilda is not, you know, 275 and jacked with muscles. You're telling me she can't drag that chair kind of sort of towards the door. Like if you need to throw me down the stairs, which is probably three or four oh, steps, I'll mind you. Oh, I'll throw you down the stairs, Matt. Any day of the week. <laughs> well, I have another. I have another Luke Cage related thing that we could that we could do, but I'll get to that in a moment. Okay. If you need to throw me down three or four steps on a brownstone to make sure I don't burn to death, you go for it. I, I don't, don't quite worry. get. Again, this this was just a story conceit of. Oh no, no one can move her. Yeah, you can. You pick pick her up by the armpits and start dragging the chair. All it would have taken was a brief insert shot of like. Sheldon hammering the chair to the floor. That that could have been enough where you go, oh, now I know why she can't pull it. But the absence of that, eh, that wasn't great. Side note, Pete, speaking of Bushmaster, um, next time we're in the city, can we go to a tailor so that I can monologue while I'm uh, measured for a suit? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Word on the street where we hear from you, the listener, Pete Fireway. Matt, we had put out the call last time, given that we suffered a little bit of uh, digital vandalism to a number of our uh, feeds on iTunes. And we have heard rather supportingly from several uh, corners. We'll go first to the iTunes, Matt. We're on the Luke Cage podcast by Fantastic Geek feed we heard from mad tav uh on july 3rd who wrote a review entitled my heroes exclamation point five stars and his review reads 
these guys and their amazing podcasts are what got me into the MCU. I always listened to old episodes, but now I'm all caught up and eagerly awaiting every Luke Cage season two podcast. I never have to wait long because these guys release several eps a week. They always bring up things I didn't notice during my first watch. They are absolute pros. Thank you. Fantastic geek. Well, I mean, words cannot describe the smile on my face, Pete. Great to hear that we are uh, an entry point to anything, whether it's podcast listening, whether it's the MCU, whatever it might be. Also, so pleasing to hear that the the time that we do take each week, indeed multiple times a week, uh, particularly when these uh, when these Netflix gems drop with thirteen episodes, uh, nice that we have people out there enjoying it, you know, along for the ride and so forth. Absolutely, there had been another bit of feedback from Facebook, Matt, from Andre Yeager, and he writes, guys. Don't let those iTunes reviews haters get to you. We all still support you and love your podcasts. Well, support from Andre. Indeed, support from the listeners. Always appreciated. And I think that that digital vandalism certainly a, uh, a distraction and a, and a minor one at that. At the end of the day, we're here. We're having fun. We're talking to Luke Cage. We're talking Cloak and Dagger. We're talking Ant-Man. We're talking Star Trek Discovery. We're talking secret future thing that I had to bleep out before Pete. Wait, you mean? (laughs) (laughs) That's the very one. But luckily Pete whisked away with the miracle of GarageBand sound. So we'll save that secret for another day. If people have guesses, though, Pete, what that secret project could be, how could people be in touch with you? They could find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,025 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Gmail, on Instagram, on Twitter, where we are Fantastic Geek. Boy, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, for those listening on the Luke Cage podcast feed, we will be back on Sunday with the next episode. The pop culture podcast feed. Oh my goodness, you got Ant Man, you got Cloak and Dagger, you got Luke Cage to look forward to. That Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners. Give you the final word. Streets is calling. I'm out.